tonight uh, we're going to be looking at uh, Psalm 112, 112. I will actually read 111 and 112, but we will focus on 112. And the reason I'm reading both is because they really go together. In the last verse of Psalm 111, in the first verse of Psalm 112, uh, really give us the kind of the starting point for tonight and um, allow us to uh, to think about a particular way to live. So let me read it, uh, Psalm 111, and then I'll go right into 112. Praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart in the company of the upright in the congregation. Great are your works of the, are the works of the Lord, studied by all who delight in them, full of splendor and majesty is his work and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wondrous works to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and merciful. He provides food for those who fear him. He remembers his covenant forever. He has shown his people the power of his works in giving them the inheritance of the nations. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. They are established forever and ever to be performed with faithfulness and uprightness. He sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All those who practice it have a good understanding. His praise endures forever. Holy. Um, his praise endures forever. And then Psalm 112. Praise the Lord. Blessed is the name. Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. He is not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Now, the reason I, I read these two psalms together, 111 and 112, is because they belong together. They're both wisdom psalms, which means that they, they give us categories and practical advice on how to live our lives. So they're concerned with, with a specific way of life that's actually better than other ways. And what's interesting is that Psalm 111 primarily describes God and talks about who God is and what he's done. Psalm 112 describes those who fear God, but the descriptions are parallel, and there's a lot of similarities. Uh, Spurgeon said that Psalm 111 is like the sun, and Psalm 112 is like the moon. Um, Psalm 111 is like a parent, a father, and, and Psalm 112 is like a child of that father. And, and I think he's absolutely right that there's a connection, that God is a certain way, and those who follow him, those who fear him, are like him and so our life our way of life actually reflects who god is and, and what he's done so that's that's the the background of this and what i want to do is i want to look at uh this 
verse 10 of 111 and verse 1 of 112 and talk about this idea of, of, of fear, fear of the Lord. So the last verse of 111 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, which is a, a classic, you know, you see it in Proverbs, you see it in the Psalms, formulation of what it means to be wise. To be wise is actually to fear the Lord. That's how you become wise. And then uh, verse 1 of 112 says, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. And so the, the way Scripture, especially in, in the wisdom literature, defines the right way of life or the wise way of life is to anchor it in the fear of the Lord. Now, what does that mean, to fear the Lord? It doesn't mean just to be scared of Him because He's great. It's not really that. To fear something, and just in your life, to fear someone means to give a lot of importance to that person or to that thing. So those who, who fear uh, for their health, for example, and, and try to avoid, and right now it's a very pertinent topic for us, try to avoid and be really safe, try to avoid any kind of risk of infection or injury, um, they really, that's, that's fear of that thing. And so that means that they are prioritizing their health. Health is very important to them. Uh, to fear the Lord means to, to, to center your life on the Lord, to make the Lord be the most important thing, or maybe even we can say the ultimate thing in your life. It is to say that it matters most to me. Um, it's to give weight to it. It's to um, to give reverence and to seek approval of that thing or person. I think that's what the Bible is getting at when it talks about fearing the Lord. Now, certainly there's an element of fear, yes, the way we would understand it. But there's a much larger context of of prioritizing, of, of giving preference, of giving importance, given, we can even say given weight uh, to the Lord. As you know, uh, in the Old Testament, the word for glory is, is, can also be translated as, as heaviness or weightiness. And so to have, to see God's glory means to realize that God is really important, that He's, he's heavy, He's weighty. And so if you want to find out in your life, what you actually fear, or whom you fear, the question is, then, if something happens with that person, or with that thing, what kind of waves does it make in your life? So imagine when you're throwing a rock or a pebble into, into a pond, and, and there's waves, right? So if it's a big rock, there'll be big waves, and if it's a small pebble, there'll be hardly anything happening on the surface of the pond. This is the idea of God's glory, of the weightiness. And so you fear what makes the biggest waves in your life. That's, that's a good way to, to understand um, how we live our lives. And so what the psalmist says here is the person who's wise is a person who gives priority to the Lord, who actually puts the Lord in the center. The Lord is the person that makes the biggest waves in your life. And so he becomes the ultimate. That's what it means to, to fear the Lord. And so then we have two ways to live. You have one way that fears the Lord, and you have another way, the way of the wicked, as, as verse uh, 10 in uh, 112 tells us. And so the contrast here is that somebody who lives in the fear of the Lord is lives a weighty kind of life, like the Lord is, so there's a reflection of who the Lord is. 
It's a life of stability and permanence. It's a life of security. Now, I'll show you from, from the psalm. It's, it's an immovable, eternal kind of life. And some of these things should sound very familiar to us because that's the New Testament terminology of uh, what is a life with God. It's an eternal life. It's an everlasting life. There's a different quality to it. Not just length, but there's a different quality to it. On the other hand, if you look at verse 10, what is the alternative? What's the other way to live? The wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. And here we have anger, frustration, gnashing of the teeth, right? There's frustration and regret and disappointment and kind of that, that angry powerlessness to change anything. There's also melting away. I, I find that that analogy or that, that metaphor is really insightful because if the righteous, the person who fears the Lord and lives their lives, lives their life in the with God at the center, is immovable. He cannot be moved. Is has an eternal quality to his life. Then the wicked man is the opposite. He melts away. There's very kind of temporal, fleeting uh, nature and quality of of his life. There's a life of unfulfilled desires. Life of um, of regret and anxiety and frustration and anger. That's the other alternative. So really, we are all choosing one life or the other. We're either choosing to fear the Lord and live in light of that, or we're choosing to fear something else or someone else, build our life, lives on something else, and then it is a life of anxiety, anger, and slowly melting away as we are gnashing our teeth. So those are the two ways. Now let me show you from Psalm 112 kind of the, the aspects of the life and the fear of the Lord. And I think this should really encourage you. If you're a believer, uh, this is where that fear of the Lord, that faith in God actually connects with, with practically with your life. So in verses uh, 2 and 3, and then even touching on that in verse 9, we find that, that the life in the Lord, the life in the fear of the Lord, is a life of confidence in our future. Uh, verse 2 says, His offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house, and his righteousness endures forever. Which is, by the way, what was said of God in, in, in Psalm 111, that his righteousness endures forever. Our righteousness, which is really God's righteousness give us, given to us, endures forever. So there's a, there's a future that is secure, and we live in confidence that our, our future is fine. We are... Um, our righteousness is enduring versus if you're living in a different way, uh, you live in panic and anxiety and worry about the future. And we can certainly see that in the pandemic, that many people are very concerned about their future economically, uh, health-wise. They're concerned for their children. They're concerned for their jobs, like all those communities. All those things become really worrisome for people. Because their future isn't secure, and they're not sure what's going to happen. So that produces a lot of anxiety. Now, if you go to verse 4, we see that the life of, of the fear, fear of the Lord is a life that's marked by clarity of decision-making. Clarity of decision-making. So in verse 4, it says, Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful, and righteous. Uh, light is a metaphor of for, for knowledge, right? for revelation, for 
um, we're in the dark and yet God reveals something to us and that's the light light shining in, in the darkness so for the upright person for the, the person who fears the Lord we receive guidance and revelation from God in fact it's not just information that we receive but it's transformation of who we are so as we make decisions we make them in the light and we make them according to our own character that's been transformed by God. So we are gracious, merciful, and righteous. That's who we are in Christ. That's who God the Holy Spirit is making us to be. And so our decisions actually just come out of our character. We make decisions consistent with who we are. If you think about the other option, uh, it's often marked by confusion. What decision, which decision should I make that will most benefit me? And so you're looking at different options and then you're anxious over which option is better. But a Christian walking in the fear of the Lord simply says, what decision is consistent with who I am in Christ? And so because we are gracious and merciful and righteous, we make decisions that are gracious, merciful, and righteous. And then uh, we, we're looking at uh, the next aspect, and this is in verse 5 and also 9 a little bit. And we see that we have freedom from attachment to our possessions. So in verse 5, we read, It is well with the man who deals generously and lends, who conducts his affairs with justice. And in 9, we read that he has distributed freely, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever, his horn is exalted in honor. Now, for somebody who fears the Lord and has based their life on God, God is the heaviest thing in his life, God makes the biggest ripples, that person is not attached to their possessions. We're free to lend them. We're free to give them away. We're free to use them to bring justice to other people, to bless other people, to serve other people, because we're not enslaved to them. We're free to use them freely because they are not what we fear. You see, they're not at the center. Now, if you are um, living a different way, if you're living not in the fear of God, you live in fear of losing possessions and in the stress of acquiring possessions. But a Christian who's walking with the Lord is, is free from those attachments because we are not building our lives on the acquisition of, of things. And then finally, the last aspect, and we see that in verses 6 and through 8, there's a certain firm-heartedness that belongs to those who fear the Lord. So, for the righteous will never be moved, he will be remembered forever. He's not afraid of bad news. His heart is firm, trusting in the Lord. His heart is steady or established. He will not be afraid until he looks in triumph on his adversaries. So a person who walks in the fear of the Lord has a steady, firm, established heart that simply trusts in the Lord. There is an expectation of victory. There is an expectation of deliverance for a Christian. Even if things do not seem to be going well at the moment, we're expecting for everything to work out because we're trusting in God and we fear the Lord. And so we refer to His, we defer to, to Him and His authority and His plans for us. Now, on the other side, in contrast to that, a person who does not fear the Lord it lives in fear of defeat. They are fearful and anxious. Um, their hearts are fearful and anxious. They live in fear of the other shoe. 
about to drop. Um, when I, I thought about that phrase, you know, I'm just waiting for, for the other shoe to drop. I thought about the straight and actually researched it a little bit. And, and I guess the etymology of that phrase is when people used to live in apartments, like in New York City with you know, tenements that, that would have many, many families in the same apartment building, when uh, you would be going to sleep and then your neighbor comes home from work and he takes his shoe off, drops it, right? Wakes up the whole building. And you're not going back, you're not going to sleep right away. You're waiting for the other shoe to drop. So then you know it's done, right? Because you know the other one is coming. So then you can finally go to sleep. And so if you can imagine, right, the, the unbeliever, the person who's not walking in the fear of the Lord, lives in that moment between that the first shoe dropped already. Well, you woke up, right? You're anxious. You're trying to figure out what's going on. But the other shoe hasn't dropped yet. And so you're waiting for something else to happen so you can finally let go and drift back to sleep. But for a Christian, that is not how we live. And I love the way the psalm puts it in, in uh, verse 7. He is not afraid of bad news. I think that's just such a great description of a Christian, that we are not afraid of bad news. We're not waiting for the other shoe to drop because in the gospel, in the good news of Christ, the sh both shoes have dropped, right? Both shoes have been picked up and put away. There's nothing bad that is coming to us. And so we're not afraid to hear bad news because we have heard the good news of Christ, that our sins have been forgiven. We've been accepted with God by grace. Christ died and rose for us. We've been given the Holy Spirit who is now transforming us into people who are gracious and merciful and righteous. And we walk in the fear of the Lord, that Lord who did all that for us by grace. And so we are not afraid of bad news. And that is the way of wisdom. This is how we are to live. And that is a way to live even during this very uncertain time.